It's great to see all of you. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, old friends, some of you, uh, as well as new friends. Uh, always great as we gather together uh, for worship on a Sunday morning. And today we are concluding our four-week teaching series entitled Passages, where we have been looking together at passages from Scripture that, that have shaped and continue to shape uh, my formation journey over the passage of time. And each one of these texts I really highlight something that I think is foundational to God's ongoing process of shaping our hearts after his. So far in our series, we've talked about the importance of showing up from the story of Eutychus in Acts chapter 20. We've talked about the importance of being present from the story of Jesus's encounter with the bleeding woman in Mark chapter 5. Last week, we talked about being curious from the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, in Luke 19. And today, for our final passage, we're going to return to the Gospel of Mark to consider a story that reveals for us that God's process of shaping our hearts after his requires that we rest. God's process of shaping our hearts after his requires that we rest. Show up, be present, be curious rest. If you'd like to join me in the scriptures this morning, you may turn or tap your way to Mark chapter 1. Alternately, uh, you may follow along with the text on the screens here in the auditorium or the screen out in the courtyard as well. Mark chapter 1. And unlike the gospels of Matthew and Luke, which start with narratives of Jesus's birth, and unlike John's gospel, which begins with a long theological discourse, Mark's story of Jesus's life starts with Jesus' public ministry. Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He then endures the temptation in the wilderness. And then Jesus proclaims the good news of God in Galilee. He calls his first disciples, and he casts out an impure spirit in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And that is all just in the first 28 verses. And then after all of that, verse 29 of Mark chapter 1 says... As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Now, the word that Mark uses there at the beginning of verse 29, that's translated for us as, as soon as, is a word that Mark uses 42 different times throughout the course of his narrative. It's translated also alternately as immediately, or at once, or right away. And it, and it gives the narrative this incredible sense of pace, right? This definite sense that Jesus is constantly on the move from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And so Jesus finishes casting out this impure spirit in the synagogue, and then immediately he goes to Simon and Andrew's home. And verse 30 says that Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And so it's apparent there from Mark's description 
uh, that the word about Jesus was spreading rapidly after his first couple of healings. The people began bringing all of the sick and all of the demon-possessed to Jesus. And so much so that Mark says that the whole town gathered at the door of the home of Simon's mother-in-law. And so the image there is that this mass of people crowded outside of the door of the house. Not unlike the mass of people that were pressing around Jesus as he was making his way to Jairus' house. Not unlike the mass of people that were crowded around Jesus that drove Zacchaeus up into the tree. So there were all of these people crowded outside the door. And verse 34 says that Jesus healed many and he drove out many demons. And so there's this picture through all of this of Jesus being just overwhelmingly busy. But then look at what Jesus does next. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 says that very in the, early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And so right in the midst of everything that's going on, right in the midst of the continuous and persistent and strenuous demands of his ministry, Jesus intentionally steps away. Jesus intentionally steps away. Mark says that he got up early, went to a solitary place, and he prayed. And the word that Mark uses that is translated as a solitary place literally means a wilderness place or a desert place or a desolate place. And that's an interesting word choice between, because Capernaum, which is where the events here in this passage are taking place, was actually not a wilderness place, geographically speaking. Capernaum was not a desert. And so Mark is not talking here about a particular physical location that Jesus went to. Instead, Mark is speaking symbolically. He's speaking symbolically. If we back up to the very beginning of this first chapter of Mark, we discover that Mark has already used the same word two other times. It's used in verse 3, when Mark quotes from Isaiah's prophecy about John the Baptist. Right? Mark says, a voice of one calling out in the desert. And then it's used again in verse 12 to describe the place where the Spirit sent Jesus to be tempted by Satan. The Spirit sent Jesus into the desert. And so by the time we come to verse 35 here, this word wilderness is already rich with symbolism in the context of Mark's narrative. It doesn't just describe land that is barren or desolate or inhospitable. It also, based on these previous uses, evokes divine communication and solitude and temptation and encounters with the supernatural. And I think that Mark really wants us to have all of that in mind here as Jesus steps away into the wilderness. Because there's a sense, I think, in which by using this word, Mark wants us to see all of the busyness of Galilee, at the crowds, the chaos, the clamoring for healing. He wants, to see all, he wants us to see all of that as another kind of temptation. And Jesus is intentionally stepping away from it. He is intentionally stepping away 
to be alone with God. Intentionally stepping away to pray and to connect with his Father. And we, we get a sense for just how different and how countercultural and how counterintuitive what Jesus is doing here actually is through what happens next. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 36. It says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And now the verb that's, that's uh, actually there is quite a bit stronger than the way that the NIV translated, translates it. That phrase, they went to look after him, more literally reads, they pursued him or they hunted him down. And so there's an intensity and a sense of urgency that Mark is communicating here. Verse 37 says that they went to look for him, they pursued him, they hunted him down, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And so Jesus' disciples, they've been looking for him, and when they find him, right, the implication is, where have you been, Jesus? What are you doing out here? Everyone is looking for you. Don't you realize that people need you back in town? And the contrast there between the disciples right, and the flurry of activity that they represent, feverishly looking for Jesus until they find him, right, and this space that Jesus has stepped away to couldn't be sharper. And it's punctuated even further by Jesus' response in verse 38. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And I think it's interesting that Mark doesn't record the disciples' response to what Jesus says there in verse 38. And I can't help but wonder if the reason for that is because the disciples were just so flabbergasted that they were rendered speechless. Because Jesus' response here, in a lot of ways, is so unexpected, right? It's surprising even for us, at least it is for me. Right? There was so much need, so much yet still left undone in Capernaum, that it's really surprising that Jesus opts to go somewhere else. Jesus models a vital spiritual practice for us here. And it's a practice that perhaps ironically is really the engine for our formation journey. And that is rest. And I say that rest is ironically the engine for our formation journey because it is just so counterintuitive relative, especially to the cultural norms of the Bay Area. That our culture is always telling us to keep moving to keep on doing, to keep on pressing, to go, go, go. But when it comes to the process of allowing God to shape our hearts after his, rest is crucial. Because it's rest that actually gives us the capacity to engage in the journey. Rest gives us the capacity to engage in the formation journey. Rest gives us the capacity to show up. 
Rest gives us the capacity to be present. Rest gives us the capacity to be curious. And and when I am overly busy or tired, or even worse, overly busy and tired, it's really difficult to show up and be present and be curious. And given you know, how countercultural rest is, both for us today and in the context of ancient Palestine, let's not forget the reaction that the disciples had when they found Jesus alone in the wilderness place connecting with his father. Right? When we consider all of that, what Jesus does here is really remarkable. And for me, what's really remarkable is not so much what Jesus does, right? He went to a solitary place and prayed. And I I definitely don't want to dismiss or discount the importance of that. But what's really remarkable for me is not so much what Jesus does, but rather what he steps away from in order to do that. What's really remarkable is what Jesus steps away from in order to connect with his father. He steps away from the relentless demand. He steps away from the physical needs of people. He steps away from the spiritual needs of people. And so Jesus is not stepping away here from a hobby or from some activities or from his leisure time to spend time with his father. He's not cutting off the margins here. He's stepping away from all of the things that are most important and most urgent to his mission. The things that are most important and most urgent to the core of who he is. And that is not an easy thing to do. But it's so important. Because we see that for Jesus, and and, and this is such a powerful part of the story, for Jesus, showing up and being present to his relationship with his father in the very midst of all those things that were so important, that centered him in a really tangible way centered him in a really tangible way because Jesus needed to keep moving. And he needed to keep moving because there were other towns and villages. And stepping away to rest and connect with his father was integral to Jesus getting that clarity. Clarity comes when we stop and rest. Clarity comes when we stop and rest. And that is something that we can either choose to do, stop and rest, or it will eventually happen for us. Uh, like it did for me a little more than 10 years ago when I experienced a low-grade burnout. And I was about five years into the role as site pastor here at the Mountain View campus. And so I had the demands of ministry I was coaching a couple of soccer teams for my kids, one of which was a club team. And then for some reason, I thought it would be a good idea to take an online class at Regent College for credit as well. You know, and so I was in that mode that's probably familiar to most of you as well. I was adding and adding and adding and adding some more, like we commonly do, because Lord forbid we stop doing something. And all the things that I was doing felt important. But there was just no margin. And I eventually got so ground down by all of the things 
and what they demanded of me, that my, that my sense of call and my sense of mission became totally obfuscated. You know, and it took stopping and, and entering into a therapeutic process for me to, to, to rediscover that once again. And all of that was an absolutely indelible lesson for me in the importance of being intentional about stepping away to rest. Now, something that I love about this passage from Mark chapter 1 is the utter simplicity of what Jesus does. Right? It's nothing complicated here. Jesus just steps away from what he was doing to commune with his Father in a quiet place. He just steps away. And there are all kinds of ways that we can do the same. There are all kinds of ways that we can withdraw from those important and urgent things and connect with God's ongoing presence with us through his spirit. It might look like a few moments of stillness and quiet or taking a short walk, uh, listening to a song or singing a song or playing an instrument if you do that. It could look like reading or writing or drawing, or baking, or cooking, or sitting on the beach, listening to a podcast. But ultimately, Jesus shows us that what's important is simply that we intentionally make that space to connect with the Father. That we regularly make space to rest. That we make space to be alone with God, space to hear his voice, space to be restored, space to be recentered. You know, one of the many strange experiences of the pandemic were those first few weeks where just about absolutely everything in our lives was canceled, right? Everything was canceled. And, and, and given the fast-paced culture of the valley and the way that, that busyness and activity are so revered and glorified, it was so arresting, wasn't it? To literally have nothing to do. It's right? so completely foreign to have the calendars that were empty. And while few people anticipated the impacts of the pandemic would last so long, I think we're an important, we are in an important moment right now because activity levels are starting to rise again, which I think makes this reminder from Jesus here this morning of the importance of rest feel especially poignant. And so how will you intentionally step away and rest? How will you intentionally step away and rest so that you can show up, be present, be curious, and be formed by God's Spirit. Well, I think that we would be remiss this morning to talk about rest and not take a few moments to do it. And so in the spirit of Jesus' example, I want to create some space for us right now as we close to step away, listen to God, and rest in his presence.
through a prayer practice called Lectio Divina, which is very simply a way to pray with Scripture. And so I want to invite you now, if you will, to close your eyes, if you are comfortable doing that. And find a comfortable position in your seat. And as you settle into your chair, just allow your body to relax. Let your neck and your shoulders relax as you become more and more still and present. If you can be aware of any tension that you're feeling in those parts of your body. And as you begin to let yourself physically settle, now take a slow, deep breath in and hold it for just a moment and then slowly release it. And continue to do that. Take another slow, deep breath in. Hold it for a second. And then release it slowly. And as you continue now to pay attention to your breathing and slow yourself down in that way, allow your mind and all of the thoughts that have been occupying it to settle. Those things that are occupying your mind, things you need to do later today, worries, concerns, stress, allow those just to be released for right now as you exhale. Now listen to the word as I read it aloud. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you.
Now I'm going to read the passage a second time. And this time, as you listen, I want to invite you to listen with the ear of your heart. And as you do that, to listen for a word or a phrase that stands out for you. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. As you listened, what word or phrase stood out to you? And take just a moment now and begin to repeat that word or phrase to yourself. Repeat that word or phrase and allow it to begin to touch your heart. As you continue now to sit with that word or phrase, how does it speak to your life right now? What hope or encouragement does it bring to you? Perhaps there's a step God might be inviting you to take. What is God inviting you to hear.
Now take a moment to respond to God in prayer about whatever it is that you're hearing from him. As you continue to turn your word or phrase over and over in your mind, offer a prayer of praise or thanksgiving or petition, depending on how you're moved. But share your heart with God in prayer as you respond to his word. I read the passage now for a third and final time. Consider again God's invitation to you this morning from his scripture and enjoy resting in his presence. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of the treasure of your word and for the way through the power of your spirit you so faithfully speak to us through it to show us both who you are and who we are and to remind us, Father, of who you have called us to be. Thank you for these precious moments to sit in your presence today and very simply to rest. Father, I ask that you would give us wisdom to learn from the example of Jesus and that we might similarly 
take a few moments to step away and to sit in your presence, to sit with you, to listen for your voice. And God, that through that very simple practice, that you would renew and restore and center us. Thank you that uh, you are our vine, that when we connect with you, you nourish us in the most important ways. And Father, I pray that as individuals and as a community, that we would maintain that vital connection to you through the rest that we so desperately need. That you would give us courage in the midst of all of the narratives of busyness to stop and to rest. Knowing that through that, God, you enable us to continue on in our journeys of being formed after you. And to continue to love one another as you have loved us and to show ourselves as your disciples. May we be your witnesses in our neighborhoods, schools, workplaces, and among the least of these as you hold us up. Amen.